out in the desert. Neighbors claims they practice witchcraft. Well, hey, howdy, how the fuck y'all doing? Wow, that's a lot coming out the gate. It's the just, new intro. Just saying. It's the new intro. That's a lot. I don't know that I can handle it. I'm coming to you with that kind of energy today, so you better get ready. If you oh, ain't God. ready, you better get ready. Oh, God. You better. It's one, of, it's one of those episodes. It is. It's a Katie episode today. You just need to tell me how much editing is involved in this beforehand, because I don't. I don't uh, know that I, I would have the say strength. that the editing involved in this episode is uh, more editing of the mind. And I would also go ahead and say that we are too dumb to cover this topic, but we're going to do it anyway. Oh, God. Because <laughs> it was on my list. Bitch. I'm concerned. I'm just concerned for us all at this point. Like, <sighs> I mean, we just gave them like a really fun, like, you know, what the fuck crimes. It was great. It was beautiful seeing, you know. All of the shenanigans that humans can uh, come up with during this time, this crisis. That's true. And I charged up my energy she to bring did. you this steam and polish it today. Yeah, so. she did. She did. She did that. <laughs> <laughs> she did that, y'all. She did. Um, let me tell you, we ordered pizza tonight for like the first time in a long time for me. And uh, I'm running it about... I'm running it about that extra cheese double stuff speed, if you know what I mean. Do you remember like when stuffed crust first became a thing? I do. How was it in the nineties, like late nineties, early two thousands? Say, yeah, it was like late nineties, possibly. Stuffed crust technology. Stuffed crust. (laughs) Stuffed crust. Stuffed crust technology. When some brilliant mind said, "What if we take cheese?" And put it in the crust of the pizza. You know, I bet they was fucking when they got that idea. Either that or it was someone who just really didn't like pizza crust. And they were like, listen, guys, there's got to be a way to make this better. Okay. I feel that. I feel that person. That's and I I, I, I I, would agree. Mm-hmm. I'm not a crust eater. I like, uh, I like pan style crust. I like... Uh, I like a nice thick crust, but I need it to be crisp on the outside. Mm. But I hate a thin and crispy. If you eat thin and crispy pizza, fuck you. That's what I had tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) I like all kinds of pizza. Look, we're coming out here. We're offending people today. We're going to get the emails. We're going to get the Twitter. We're going to get it all. (laughs) We're coming out the gate with, if you eat thin crust pizza, fuck you. (laughs) Official That's all they're going to take from that is the thin crust pizza lovers are going to unite against the haunted heart. I just don't understand. Why are you eating pizza, babe? Why are you not eating like some fucking so for me, cheese crust? I'm, well, yes. Why you ain't eating a crouton? Why you ain't eating them Parmesan crisps? Listen. And for, I eat those. They're good. For me, I love all types of pizza. But thin crust is, it, I can eat more, I feel like. Yeah, without feeling as that's guilty, it's cheating. It's cheating pizza. You got to take it. You got to take. Okay, all don't even it. talk to me, Miss. I'm gonna dab my pizza with a fucking napkin every time before that's I true. eat it. So they to spray me, it with shit that to make is it look cheating. Shiny. So they spray it with that shit to make it look shiny. That don't they also even. put on. Yes, like, you on heard it here, Chinese folks. Food. She's a blotter. I am. I I will fucking stand behind my blotting. <laughs> I'll stand behind it because you know how much fucking extra cheese I have them put on that motherfucker. Like I, you do, I'm not gonna make it mm-hmm. to the end of the night if I don't blot. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is true. It's terrifying sometimes to the amount Witness of cheese that, that you See, can here's consume. Here's what I like to do: I like to either be all good or all fucking bad. I like to be on that good, good. Uh, Binging and purging? No. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Not even going to joke about that. No. Anyway, um, be good to your bodies, and your bodies will be good to you. But also, if you're on your period and about ready to murder every human being who comes across your path, maybe consider a pizza instead. This is true. You know, maybe just be forgiving and give yourself the grace to uh, have pizza instead of murdering everybody. Sound advice. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, so are we ready to jump in? I I mean, are we just diving in? I believe so. Okay. 
All right. So what you got for me today, girl? You ain't told me nothing. I don't know nothing. I ain't seen nothing. I ain't That's heard right. nothing. That's all right. You're gonna be. You're gonna be in it. I'm gonna guide you. Like I'm a virgin. I'm new to this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> mm. All right. So think back to the days of your childhood. Oh God. To days <laughs> and nights of endless imagination and play in the truest sense. Creating stories to tell yourself, acting out conversations and scenarios between dolls. Or maybe you were a writer as a kid like me and cooked up all kinds of crazy stories to tell your friends and scribble in wide-ruled notebooks that nobody would ever read, but later in life you'd look back on and feel an immense embarrassment over. (laughs) In this time of wild imaginings, did you ever have an imaginary friend? Did I ever? Ha- oh, are you posing that question to me? Yeah, you can answer. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I just want to hijack this no, beautiful no, moment that is very well written. Oh, you um, Thank you. <laughs> did I ever have an imaginary friend? Um, yes. For like maybe all of an afternoon. Yeah. What um, was his name? Or her? I don't remember. I think I saw a movie that had like an imaginary friend in it. Oh, God. There was a movie that had... Ah, uh, God, I can't remember, but there was a movie about a kid who had an imaginary friend. I can't think of it. And it was this whole thing. It might have been a Disney movie. I don't know. But I was like, oh, that'd be cool to have an imaginary friend. And then I was like, well, this is boring. Let me just go back to the dolls <laughs> that are hidden under my bed, actually, and play with those instead. So, yeah. Hmm. With him. But it I wasn't think I had one. Part. I think I had an imaginary friend, but I don't think it was like, so I was really close with my teddy bear. Mm-hmm. So we would hang out a lot. Um, but I don't think that I ever really had, I think maybe I tried it once, but it wasn't like really an imaginary friend. It was just me trying to like fuck with my mom. But then my mom was like, it's bullshit. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like she, I was trying to get a reaction out of her and I just got none. And so and then I was done with it. I will say, I will say that did bring up, yeah, your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, no. <laughs> I will say there was at one point, uh, actually in high school, uh, where I would, I was sitting in the lunch, sitting in the hallway at lunch and and drawing and I was just drawing this like I was just drawing a face it was like a scary demon face but I remember like like faux like trying to hide it but like letting people potentially see it so that they would be like oh my god what is that that he's drawing and in my head I was like this is the demon that follows me (laughs) oh my god I cannot lame <laughs> i never true. saw i never that saw the, you drawing the demon i, I know that was a precursor you didn't approach me with that tactic i don't think no i did not um that was a precursor to all the people that pretended to be vampires after twilight yes <laughs> yeah. a moment of silence for those people mm. so the childhood concept of the imaginary friend actually has a lot in common with our topic that we're going to be talking about today Although, in recent years, you may have learned to refer to your childhood imaginary friend by a different name. Abuse. Specifically. (laughs) (laughs) Disassociation. No. A tulpa. A tulpa. A tulpa. I've heard you mention something about this. This has literally been on our list since, like, the beginning of the fucking podcast. It maybe not since that long, but since the early days for sure. Like I've wanted to cover this topic for a long time, um, but I just hadn't had the mental fortitude and uh, time to do like a deep dive into it. Honestly, and she still it's, didn't. It's a lot, um, but we're gonna try to we're gonna try to get into it today. So, the history of tulpas. This kind of sounds like something you would order from the Taco Bell menu. Tulpa definitely one hundred percent sounds like something that would be on a menu with an empanada. Hi, welcome to Taco Bell. Can we interest you in our number nine Tulpa <laughs> special today? <laughs> yes, I'll have one Tulpa with a large Baja Blast. Thank you. I mean, and some honestly, it sounds delicious. I mean, true. It sounds. It sounds like I would order it. I would try. Um. <laughs> But uh, so 
talking about the history of tulpas, um, to fully explain the concept of tulpas and how it emerged, uh, we'll have to go back a few thousand years. Shit, that's a lot. Hope you have the time, sis. Let me put my walking shoes on. Hope you got them uh, them airline, them airline uh, miles, miles, them frequent flyer miles for it. Um, in Tibetan and Indian Buddhist cultures, the spropa uh, literally means emanation or manifestation. In this original context, the term referred to the concept of a being or an object that's created through spiritual or mental powers. So if you're familiar with the concept of chaos magic, this is somewhat similar to that. Mm, Um, It's creating tangible, um, tangible objects through just mental and spiritual energy. Ah, okay. So one early Indian Buddhist text mentions the ability to create a mind-made body as one of the fruits of contemplative life. And that was a quote, fruits of contemplative life. Fruits of contemplated life. Mm-hmm. Uh, commentarial Buddhist texts further state that this mind-made body is how Gautama Buddha is able to travel into heavenly realms using the continuum of the mind stream. And the concept of the mind-made body is also used to explain the multiplication miracle of the Buddha as illustrated in the Divyavadana in which the Buddha multiplied his Nirmita, or his emanated human form, into countless other bodies which filled the sky. It's like this big story that's, um, it's one of, you know how Christianity has like those stories about how Jesus turned water into wine and things mm, like that. Yes, yes. It's one of uh, Buddhism's big stories is this um, multiplication miracle where uh, the Buddha showed up in um, all these different, like, it was kind of like control C, control V, <laughs> but like a lot of times across the sky. <laughs> copy and fucking paste everything told you we are too dumb to do this but we're gonna do it this is getting really like high level spirituality here that i'm just not accustomed to yeah yeah we're going very very high level but don't worry i'm here okay i'm I'm, here with you i'm I'm guiding you okay i'm I'm gonna bring it home still concerned (laughs) so uh a buddha or other realized being is able to project many such nirmitas uh, simultaneously in an infinite variety of forms in different realms simultaneously. So the concept is that if you spend enough time um, practicing spiritual arts, practicing uh, strengthening your mental fortitude, um, abstaining from ordering from Pizza Hut, you will gain the ability to take the spiritual and mental energy that you've sort of collected within yourself and kind of grown within yourself, and you can project that energy forward into an emanated form of yourself, such as a Nermita, or like a copy-paste of you, um, or some other sort of mind-made object that exists in the, in the real world. Mm-hmm. So the Indian Buddhist philosopher Vasubandhu, who lived during the 4th and 5th century, defined Nirmita as a psychic power developed through Buddhist discipline, concentrated discipline, and wisdom in his seminal work on Buddhist philosophy, which I cannot pronounce. Uh, There was another Buddhist philosopher that defined Nirmana as, uh, or a different term, slightly different term. Some of it... So some of this has been translated from different, well, obviously all of this has been translated from different languages because I'm reading it in English. Um, so there are terms that sound very similar that all kind of refer to the same thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a term called nirmana, um, which is defined as magical illusion and basically, quote, something without a material basis, end quote. Um, this particular school of philosophy sees all reality as empty of essence and all reality is actually seen as a form of Nermita or magical illusion. Okay. So you know when we get really tripped out on the show and I'm like, reality isn't real. It's fake. It's a construct. Yes. Same fucking philosophy. Uh-huh. So I'm going to dive into that head first, and I can see no bad repercussions for me in what? my life from that. Why do you always put me through this? <laughs> I don't understand. What did I? What did I do? Why do you do this to me? (laughs) Why? What did I? What did I do? Why do you put me through this mental? Like, why do you? Why are you trying to break the walls of my mental state? Because it's fun, and they like it. Okay. (laughs) In Tibetan Buddhism, uh, emanation bodies called Nirmanakaya, Sprulsku, and Spropa. 
uh, and so on, are connected to the Trikaya, which is the Buddhist doctrine of the three bodies of Buddha. There are usually emanation bodies of celestial beings, though unrealized beings, such as humans, may have their own emanation bodies or maybe even be emanation bodies. So what I want you to get from that is basically like this concept has been around for a really long time. It's There's deep roots in Buddhist philosophy that if we focus our intention enough um, – and we sort of collect our spiritual and mental energy, we can sort of 3D print another motherfucker. An object. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe another motherfucker. Only if you're really powerful can you do that. <laughs> okay. So this is an object. So it can be anything mm-hmm. that you can just produce. Yes. In Buddhist culture. So you can control V. Of course. Um Westerners, we Westerners had to get our hands on it and uh, adopt it as our own. Okay, yes. As we do. Of course. Um, so as 20th century Western theosophists, I think it's supposed to be pronounced theosophists. Theosophists? But I'm, I'm having theosophists, theosophists. I don't know. The th- this, those, th- those people. Yes. The, yeah. <laughs> So a bunch of hippy-dippy 20th century Western folks adapted the Eastern concepts of emanation body and mind-made beings and um, also adapted the various Eastern terms, Nirmita, Tolku, Spropa, and others, into the concepts of Tolpa and thought form. Mm-hmm. Now, the term thought form was used as early as 1927 in Evans Wentz's translation of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. John Merton Reynolds, in a note to his English translation of the life story of Garab Dorje, defines a tulpa as, quote, an emanation or a manifestation, end quote. Okay, so the Tibetan Book of the Dead sounds something sounds like something I would love to have, like on my coffee table. It's like <laughs> a great coffee table book to have, you know, um, what are they, uh, like a conversation starter, a right? A conversation piece. We love it. Yeah. We love to see it. Or it sounds like something we would read on Patreon for, like, <laughs> bonus content. Welcome, Patreon supporters. Today <laughs> we're of reading... the Dead, Chapter 2. <laughs> the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And there'd be that sound when you turn the page. Ding. Chapter three. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so this was very much, these are very much people in the 20th uh, century who were, um, they were doing, they were sort of spooky bitches like we are, and they were sort of doing what we do as far as like researching like interesting like hippy dippy concepts. Um, but they, I feel like they were a little bit racist. Um, Probably. Uh, yeah. Um, from what I've been looking at, um, and they were a little bit, um, I, I feel like we try to go into topics like fully trying to understand and like really like get in there and see it from all the different angles. Mm-hmm. These folks were a little bit, um, little bit more on the appropriation side, shall mm-hmm. we say, right? Because they were presenting this, of course, as like their ideas, right? But of course, it's all of this Buddhist philosophy, most of which they're misunderstanding and misinterpreting. They're like, we took this ancient philosophy and we gave it a, a new name. We called it tulpas. Yeah. We now just kind of took all those terms that have like those like little minute details that kind of separate them from each other and we just mushed them together. It's fine. Tulpa. Isn't that a city? Into a tulpa. You're thinking in Tulsa. Oh. But I was going to make that joke later because every time I typed tul- tulpa, it wanted to autocorrect into Tulsa. Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> tulpa, Oklahoma. Tulpa, um, Oklahoma. Yes. So, Home of the tulpas. So another uh, one of those 20th century Western theosophists or theosophists, whichever way you want to you slice it, um, Alexandra David Neal claimed to have observed the magical, mystical practice of creating tulpas in 20th century Tibet. Now, she described tulpas as, quote, magic formations generated by a powerful concentration of thought, end quote. David Neal believed that tulpas could develop a mind of their own, writing, quote, Once a tulpa is endowed with enough vitality to be capable of playing the part of a real being, it tends to free itself from its maker's control. This, say Tibetan occultists, happens nearly mechanically, just as the child, when his body is completed and able to live apart, leaves its mother's womb. Which sounds like she's advocating, like, it sounds like what she's saying there is that, like, once the tulpa becomes, like, 
fleshed out enough, it literally just rips itself out of your body. Oh, okay. So I'm over here thinking like, all right, if this tulpa is is alive and it ain't paying no bills in this house, it needs to get a job <laughs> or it needs to get the fuck out. For real. Either that or the tulpa inside your body is just like, I am so done with this fucking Please trash fire. let me go. Let me <laughs> the fuck out. Let me just rip out this bitch fucking yes. face hugger style. Get me out now. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. This is what all of five to six foot of just bone and flesh and just absolutely horrid. Mm-hmm. And I completely understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so this chick, David Neal, also claimed to have created a tulpa in the image of a jolly friar tuck-like monk, which later developed a life of its own and had to be destroyed. A jolly fat monk? Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds like Santa Claus. It does. A little bit. Just saying it. It does. But she said Friar Tuck, so it's more like Robin Hood. Mm. Like, think brown robe, not red robe. Oh. Okay. Um, She raised the... She did, though, at least raise the possibility that her experience was illusory, um, saying, quote, I may have created my own hallucination, end quote. Although she claimed that others could see the thought forms that she was creating, um, including the monk. Mm. So... Of course, this whole concept of a thought form was very intriguing to Western occult practitioners. Occultist William Walker Atkinson, in his book The Human Aura, described thought forms as simple ethereal objects emanating from the auras surrounding people, generating from their thoughts and feelings. Which to me, I mean, although it has absolutely fucking nothing to do, for the most part, with the original like Tibetan and Indian Buddhist-like concepts... Uh, that's one of my favorite definitions, I think, mm-hmm. in having researched I can see that. that it's, you know, that I guess my favorite because I think it's more, I think it's the most legitimate definition that it's something that is, um, ethereal that's emanating from the auras around people and is generating from their thoughts and their feelings. Okay. Yeah. Um, I can but he, with that. he further elaborated in another one of his works, Clairvoyance and Occult Powers. All of these are coffee table books, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Around here they are. Um, he he talked about how experienced practitioners of the occult can actually produce thought forms from their auras that serve as astral projections, which may or may not look like the person who is projecting them, or that might appear as illusions um, that can only be seen by those with, quote, awakened astral senses, end quote. Oh, so for woke people. Yeah. You can only, <laughs> you can only okay. see my thought form emanating from my aura if you're woke. Um, well, if this is true, like, can we start doing this and have, like, these people fucking come do this podcast every <laughs> right. now and then? Like, <laughs> I mean, that would be great. A like, to record this podcast. I mean, welcome to the fucking New Age Tulpa maybe podcast, they'd be, y'all. Maybe like, they'd be fucking talented, actually. Maybe we could, what? Take that idea, put it in your fucking back pocket. We're going to circle back to it later, the idea of the New Age Tulpa podcast. Anyway, moving right along. Um, the Theosophist... Annie Besant, in her book, Thought Forms, actually divided the thought forms into three different classes. Uh, The first were forms in the shape of the person who creates them. The second is forms that resemble objects or people, and they become ensouled by nature spirits or by the dead. And the third are forms that respect, quote, inherent qualities, end quote, from the astral or mental planes, such as emotions. Okay. So you have kind of like a uh, an astral in the first the first category is sort of like what we think about with astral projection. So it's just an image of yourself, control C, control V. Mm-hmm. Um, the second is creating objects or people that don't look like you um, that troublingly could become quote and sold by the dead. <laughs> Seems like it might oh, be a problem. So, like you would create, it's almost like creating a a vessel that yes. the dead could inhabit. Yes, which sounds huh. like a loose end. But like, like it a sounds great like a deal for the fucking dead, though. For like. sure, for fucking sure. <laughs> could you imagine just being a dead spirit and it's just like, oh, hey, look at this nice real estate I here. Just move in here. Depending on what it is, though, it's nice and roomy. Like. You know, if you're talking about something that, like, you know, a lamp, mm-hmm. like a floor lamp, like, I probably would, I don't know, would maybe second it's, guess. Maybe it's your dream to always have been a floor lamp. Yeah, you could, you know, just come on, turn me on all mm-hmm. the time. 
light up people's lives. <laughs> God, we've been doing this too long. Um, anyway, that third form uh, were uh, is the third form is a little bit harder to conceptualize, but it's just sort of a form that in some way represents the inherent qualities of um, like an emotion or a feeling or um, something like that. Something that's a little bit more formless. So like than a person or an object. A color. Yeah, yeah. Or like bullshit. Like bullshit. Yeah? I was gonna say like a like a mist or like a Maybe. Sure. Form a shapeless form of color. Here's the thing about twentieth century uh like occultists. Most of it was a lot of bullshit that they used as an excuse to have a lot of orgies. Fuck a lot of hot witchy women. You know what I mean? God like that's it. what that was about. <laughs> and I respect the hustle. But I also know that most of it. If we get was attacked garbage. by these fucking occultists on Twitter from I'm, the 20th century, they're maybe, not coming back. Sis. Maybe they they're in their fucking four. In by Alistair their- Crowley come. <laughs> let me tell you what. If Alistair Crowley comes back from the fucking realm to correct me on Twitter, <laughs> I stand. <laughs> I stand it. Yeah, but their followers, you know, their followers would definitely check us on Probably, Twitter. Probably, for sure. But, you know, tell your boss to get in touch with me, man. They can send an email. Alistair Crowley just shows up in my fucking bedroom tonight. <laughs> it's not going to be good for me. Listen, Actually, you know, Winch. it could be a good night, depending. Probably. Um, he, was a, he was a wild dude. He liked to get down, for sure. See if he it can uh, join us for an episode. It would be a much more interesting quarantine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely, definitely have a hot take with our hot new guest with alistair crowley <laughs> hot takes with the spirit of alistair crowley from this space yeah i mean shit i'd be down oh that's alistair crowley <laughs> alistair crowley's know, texting he's like hey oh, bitch no. sup no that was plant nanny reminding me to drink some water <laughs> what a joke that is <laughs> all right i'm fully keeping that in there you should you should even keep me hitting the table in. Okay. So that's the history lesson. I'm not going to bore you anymore with that. So now we're going back. I mean, I was back. excited. Well, like, that was great. Well, I'm glad, sis. I'm glad it's going well. <laughs> um, But we're coming back to the present day. Okay. So we're getting back in our, in our little time machine. Coming we're back, back in quarantine. Um, not quite the present day. So around 2009, the concept of tulpas began to rise in popularity on internet forums like 4chan and Reddit. Online, communities of so-called tulpamancers emerged to offer guidance and support for those interested in the practice. Now, these communities gained popularity when adult fans of My Little Pony created forums for tulpas of characters from the My Little Pony television series. These fans attempted to use meditation and lucid dreaming techniques to create imaginary friends. A 2016 survey, which was published by the Oxford University University Press, by the way, very okay. reputable source, Oxford University, um, by Samuel. I'm gonna say his name wrong, but I'm very sorry. Uh, his name is Samuel Vissieri. Uh, he's professor professor of social and transcultural psychiatry at McGill University, so he's legit too. Um, He explored this community's demographic, social, and psychological profiles. These individuals that call themselves tulpamancers treat tulpas as a, quote, real or somewhat real person, end quote. Why does tulpamancer sound like a fucking Yu-Gi-Oh card that I had back in the day? It does sound very Yu-Gi-Oh. Specifically Yu-Gi-Oh. Like fucking... (laughs) dumb as fuck <laughs> you're gonna get us youtube comments you better you better quit you're gonna get no us corrected it's fine on YouTube. it's t- it's totally fine i'm just kidding i'm just kidding but it does it does quite like, sound you know like it's dumb as fuck you you bitch i love you yeah i used to yeah. play you guys anyway. great um no it does sound I like the one with the dragon what was his name blue Listen. eyes white dragon yeah red eyes black dragon no the, bo- the boy that had the dragon Seto kaiba that's the one 
He, he was, had the hair in his face? Yeah. I mean, they all had hair in his face, but he had the dark hair yeah. in his face and mm-hmm. like he wore the suit. Yep. I appreciated him because or, he put effort into oh, yeah. his appearance because he would dress up. I always liked Pegasus, Maximilian Pegasus. He was the one who had all the crazy cartoon monsters. It was a little bit mm-hmm. later in the series if you if you didn't watch like the full thing, but uh, he was really cool. He was definitely a homosexual, mm-hmm. had long white hair, wore red suit. Mm. And just I think my guy wore either a white suit or a blue suit, but I know that he was the yeah mostly blue yeah yeah you're talking about like he had like darkish bluish yeah dark brown brownish bluish hair I'm literally am telling you it's fucking Kaiba yeah Kaiba (laughs) Kaiba good he he was he was definitely a dumb for sure we love a we love a tall thin forceful man Mm -hmm. um with consent (laughs) so. And it, you know, it doesn't hurt if he has a dragon, right, ladies? Yeah. Um, and manfolk and whatever you want to be. Um, okay, so these guys who called themselves Tulpamancers treated Tulpas as a real or somewhat real person. The number of active participants in these online communities is in the low hundreds, which uh, means you know, obviously, it's it's a pretty tight knit community. We're aware with the low hundreds, <laughs> and there's very few meetings in person that have actually taken place. These folks belong to quote primarily urban, middle class, Euro American, adolescent, and young adult demographics, and they cite loneliness and social anxiety as an incentive to pick up the practice of tulpamancy. End quote. And I'm quoting there from that article from Samuel Vissieri um, on the demographics of this group. So 93.7% of respondents from this survey expressed that their involvement with the creation of tulpas has, quote, made their condition better, end quote, and led to unusual sensory experiences. Some practitioners have sexual and romantic interactions with their tulpas, though the practice is controversial and trending towards the taboo. One survey found that 8.5% support a medical metaphysical explanation of tulpas, 76.5% support a neurological or psychological explanation, and 14% cite other explanations. So I thought that was particularly interesting. I know it's like a little like I'm quoting percents at you, so please don't like glaze over. Um, but... <laughs> But, she looks at me glazed over. Yes. But the <laughs> but the reason that I wanted to um go over that that portion um is seventy six point five percent. So over, you know, three quarters of the people who are practicing tulpamancy actually support a neurological or psychological explanation. So these people are not arguing that this is a form of magic. These people are not arguing that this is a form of spiritualism. By and large, these people are arguing that this is scientific, this is neurological, this is, you know, coming from a science perspective. Mm. They're not coming from uh, a spirituality, mystical. Or like an, occult- an occultist. They are like, not coming from the occultist yeah. sort of perspective. They're okay. coming at it from, you know, science. Sure. Okay. At least through their own perspective, right? Mm, yes. Um, so nowadays on the internet, sources of information on tulpas abound. There's the Tulpa Time podcast, which posts to YouTube. Oh, okay. Although their most recent post was like five months ago. Um, the Tulpa Time postca- podcast, postcast. 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 <laughs> Welcome to the postcast. Uh, the Tulpa Time podcast is hosted by Lyrical and Longbow. And it features information on, you know, everything that you need to know to create a tulpa. And okay. I listened to several of their episodes um, while creating the uh, research for this episode. Um, there's also tulpa.io. There's countless Tumblr pages. I love a .io. Uh, and there's tulpa.info, which appears to be, you guessed it, one of the leading sources for information on tulpas online. Well, I'm so glad. Tulpa.info. Tulpa.info. So um, Tulpa.info was very... So I spent a lot of time on these websites, um, kind of like combing through, and I do feel like Tulpa.info is like the main sort of, um, I guess, hub of activity because there were a lot of like the Tulpa Time podcast referred me there. Um, Some of the other like videos and stuff and sources that I was looking up on Tulpas were referring referring me back there. Mm -hmm. And it was at that site that I found um, what I felt was kind of a, not a manifesto, um, but for lack of a better 
term a manifesto of Tulpamancy, and I wanted to share that with you. So it's like Metro Center for yes. all of this stuff. Yes. Yeah, I think okay. I, I don't think anybody who's out there creating a Tulpa has ever not been to Tulpa.info. Does that make sense? But has anyone from Tulpa.info created a Tulpa? Yes. <laughs> Lots of them. That's what it's for. <laughs> All right, cool. Good question. (laughs) Great question, Um, caller. Try again. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to read this verbatim because I think the positioning here is interesting. So, a tulpa is an entity created in the mind acting independently of and parallel to your own consciousness. They are able to think and have their own free will, emotions, and memories. In short, a tulpa is like a sentient person living in your head, separate from you. It's currently unproven as to whether or not tulpas are truly sentient, but in this community, we treat them as such. It takes time for a tulpa to develop a convincing and complex personality. As they grow older, your attention and their life experiences will shape them into a person with their own hopes, dreams, and beliefs. You'll create a tulpa by imagining a person in your head and treating them as a person. The exact mechanism is unknown, but as you give a tulpa attention and believe it can be a sentient person, it will grow into one and act independently of you. At first, you will be narrating to your tulpa, speaking to it and visualizing it in your mind, and with time, you'll be able to communicate through various methods, which will be described in the next section. Keep in mind that when a tulpa starts talking, it doesn't mean that they are complete or finished by any means. Like any person, a tulpa is never done, and you shouldn't be going for a finished tulpa when you make one. You should be focused on nurturing and teaching your tulpa, and allowing them to grow as a person with you, while at the same time, you learn about yourself and grow as a person in turn. It takes time and effort to make a tulpa into a self-sufficient and balanced individual, and their independence and personality will grow and flourish over time, like any regular human beings. Creating a tulpa means committing to raising and living with another person, and this is a lifelong commitment, not one that ends when your tulpa starts speaking. Pretty much every tulpa has a form, an imaginary body they identify with. This form can be anything from a regular human being to a cartoon character, an animal, or anything else you can imagine. Of course, regardless of their form, they still have a human mind. You can interact with your tulpa's form by visualizing it in your mind. Most people do this in an imaginary setting called the Wonderland, which is a persistent place you imagine yourself and your tulpa being in. You'll be able to change your Wonderland at will and make it as normal or as fantastical as you want. There are no limits. Many tulpas tend to spend their time alone in such a place, but it's not required at all to have a Wonderland or to give your tulpa a form for that matter. Note that the form doesn't have to be just a visual image. The word is often used as an umbrella term for a tulpa's looks, voice, their smell, the feeling of their skin, and everything you can sense of their imaginary form. So this just, all right, first of all, this sounds like a lot of work, sis, and like I haven't, like I couldn't even keep my Tamagotchi alive, much less this fucking. 100. <laughs> much less this fucking Topa. It's a lifelong we're, fucking we're commitment. not responsible enough for this. A lifelong commitment? Lifelong commitment. A lifelong commitment? I actually, no. when, when looking through YouTube videos, there was somebody who was really stuck on that lifelong commitment thing, and she was like, just remember, like when you create a Topa, like you better be ready to take care of it and like raise it and whatever, like I am fostering someone else's tulpa that they just got bored with are you and she has so much damage from this that i'm trying to coach her through talking about the the tulpa oh my that's a lot um (laughs) it was a lot it was a lot i just so it's like like going to a fucking um it's just like going to the fucking pound or something and you just like looking at all of the empty cages that just have tulpas in it and it's like i can't believe that these were abandoned tulpas <laughs> and let me just oh look that one looks so cute let me just adopt it into my fucking mind forever no it's too much work for me this is too much of a commitment i can't um i can't deal like i said i can barely keep myself alive all right <laughs> i can barely talk to my own fucking self much less <laughs> a separate fucking entity within my own mind mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. i it's not for me it's not for me i'm i'm glad it's for some people but for me no yeah 
So there were a couple concepts that I wanted to look at a little closer um, in that little description. Um, there's this concept, and it wasn't directly referenced in that um, in that little write-up from Tulpa.info, um, but it was sort of talked about indirectly. Um, it's the concept of personality forcing. So people who are creating a tulpa are encouraged to imagine the tulpa's physical traits in minute detail and outline their personalities. Um, you're supposed to focus on things like how would they respond to stimuli? Does the tulpa find spiders scary or cool and interesting? To shape the tulpa's personality, tulpamancers recommend spending time every day talking to one's tulpa. And they say that this process of like figuring out like what the personality is like or personality forcing um, takes, you know, one guy said it could take anywhere from one afternoon to like two or three weeks of consistent um focus to develop a personality yes to find the personality of the tulpa to find the personality of yes. the tulpa to discover that okay so, um there's also the concept of a wonderland um this is a world or a location that's accessible mentally by a system now a system is a host and a tulpa together um, that's what they mean by system. It's those two entities can both access this wonderland. Um, and depending on the complexity, um, it may be considered a paracosm. We're not even going to get into that. Um, Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> but basically, that... basically, the wonder wonderland is where the tulpa is when you're not connecting with them and also when you are connecting with them. Like So you go there in your mind to connect with the tulpa. Huh. Mm. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know about it. I'm. Mm, we're getting a little. It's yeah. getting a little much for okay. me. Well, let's charge forward then. <laughs> Two more concepts, actually three more concepts that I want to um, that I want to introduce you to. There's so, more. Oh, there's more. There's more. So once you have formed your tulpa in your mind, it has this like physical form, or maybe it doesn't have a physical form. They go back and forth on that. Some sources are like, you have to know exactly what it looks like and what color raincoat it wears and blah, blah. Um, and then other sources are like, if you just want it to be a floating orb of light, it can be that too. And it's like, what? Um, but uh, one, almost everybody considers the end game of creating a tulpa um, imposition now imposition is an advanced technique um, where you are basically hallucinating your tulpa with any of your senses when this skill is mastered tulpas will seamlessly fit into reality as you see it with your own eyes according to tulpa.info and you'll be able to hear them speak smell them and even feel the texture of their skin and clothes as if they were really there of course they won't become physical human beings and unless you delude yourself you won't believe that they are these are controlled hallucinations but even so you'll be able to interact with your tulpa in a much more real way through imposition. I don't like where this is going. I I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to smell my tulpa. <laughs> I just don't think a tulpa would smell nice. Maybe it did. I guess if you decided it would. I mean, I guess, but like this is getting a little like Yule Lad's spoon liquor mm -hmm. in the fucking corner mm -hmm. for me. All right, well, let's um, let's go to our last concept that I just I don't to like pull the way you here. said that. Um, it's oh. called possession and switching. <laughs> oh God, yeah, okay, no. Here's what Telpa.info says about possession and I... switching. Okay. Besides interacting with your Telpa yourself, you can learn to give them control of your body. This is called possession. Ah. Oh. They will be able to move by themselves, learning to be able to do whatever they want be it practicing a hobby, using a computer to talk to people or play games, or anything else that you can do yourself. Some people get possession down before hearing their tulpa's mind voice, making the tulpa able to communicate through writing or typing things to the host. With time, you can learn to stop paying attention to your body entirely while your tulpa is in control. You'll be able to ignore your body's senses and take on imaginary ones, essentially becoming able to lucidly dream while your tulpa does what they want in your body. This is called switching. Listen, my version of of, of a switch is not that. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. That's all I'm that I'm going to say. And it ain't no Animal Crossing there. neither. No, ma'am, it's not from Nintendo. <laughs> um, I just don't. 
I don't like this idea of like, I don't know. To me, it kind of seems a little bit like, it reminds me a lot of like DID. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to like manifest that, like you're trying to manifest uh, an altar. Yeah. So there's a lot of back and forth about that. The folks who are in the Telpomancy community, they really, really, really don't like being compared to um, dissociative identity disorder um, or multiple personality disorder. It's been known by different names. Um, they really dislike that um, sort of connection, that comparison. But a lot of people make that connection um, because with this concept of switching, you know, you're giving another consciousness, another entity, supposedly control of your body, right? So, so it is very DID esque. Um, but they argue that the tulpas are controlled and cannot exceed the boundaries of the host uh-huh. until it fucking does. And that tulpas cannot take control of the body without the host's permission because it's a neurological thing, and this is a control. They really like this concept of control. Everything is controlled. Like when we were talking about imposition, it's a controlled hallucination, and it's a controlled possession, mm-hmm. and it's controlled switching. But like until it's fucking not right. <laughs> Right. And they argue that a tulpa doesn't, um, you know, there was this one particular video that I watched where this guy was getting into this concept um, of, um, you know, because they're also, this community is also um, talked about in connection with other uh, mental illnesses like schizophrenia, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. When we start talking about things like the tulpa's mind voice, it's not difficult to see how people can take that short walk over to schizophrenia, how people can kind of like jump to, okay, well, this sounds like schizophrenia. Now, I think anybody who, as somebody who kind of talks to myself in my head a lot, like I understand the difference, but I can see why maybe somebody who is struggling with schizophrenia might through this community, come to characterize that as something else. And maybe that allows them to control it better. Great. Maybe it doesn't, though. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it keeps them away from people who need help. But I will say that, you know, on all the blogs and stuff that I read about Tulpamancy, they were very much pro-mental, like, pro-mental um, illness care, basically. They were pro-mental health. So like, they were like okay yeah they were like you know if you're having issues like that might be schizophrenia hon like seek out profession yeah, actual yeah, professional yes. help but i'm not sure i think their intention is good but i'm not sure if you're you know if you're writing about things like mind voice and you're writing about con- concepts like imposition and possession and things like that i think their intent is good in that they want to encourage people to seek out mental health but i'm not sure that what you're trying to manifest do you get what i'm saying like i'm not i'm not sure well the thing is is that i think if you have someone who is you know prone to certain mental illnesses like that this i mean it's something that could it almost exacerbate that yes you know what i mean and it's not really it doesn't like yes you can sit here and say like oh you know do you know do what's right for you check you know go get professional help and yada 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 and all of that stuff but like i mean you're still like potentially contributing yes to that so just because you throw up a red flag doesn't necessarily you know abscond you from right you know your impact to those people yeah i have a lot of thoughts about it i have i have on the one hand um you know, as somebody who is a really creative kid and as somebody who is making up all these crazy stories like that I found the portal to Narnia in my closet and Did shit. Did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> but, like, I would make up stories like that and they would be incredibly detailed and because I had that sort of imaginative energy that just kind of, like, flowed and I didn't even have to fucking do anything and I wish that I could have that back <laughs> because now I have to do lots of things. Um, yeah. But, you know, I just... I kind of had a mind for... imagining things right and Mm -hmm. and i got a lot out of that so i can looking through it looking at it through that sort of frame of mind 
it's kind of cool because it's like, oh, well, you can kind of like craft this thing and shape this thing and it can be whatever you want. But then, you know, these people take it really seriously. They're like, this is a lifetime commitment, like with the lady who's fostering somebody else's tulpa. And it's like, I mean, they talk, they, they do talk some about how unintentional tulpas can get created. Mm-hmm. So like writers, when they're trying to figure out characters for stories, they put so much mental energy and effort into like fleshing out that character for the yeah. story that they create sometimes according to these people an unintentional tulpa well if you think about it like that's an interesting way to think about it because if you think about writers who create characters that you know then become popular and then become you know realized by like you know if they're brought to film or actors you Mm -hmm. know what i mean it's very it's like i don't know i just when you mentioned that it just kind of drew a parallel to like um you know something going from like an idea in a person's head to like you know a tangible right thing right so i mean yeah okay yeah and there is sort of a i mean i know we're kind of looking at the critical side but there is a a beneficial argument that can be made for tulpas um because people you know online in the forums people were talking about you know that they had imagined that they were really shy and really like quiet and kept to themselves and they had imagined a tulpa that was like really outgoing and really like popular and just got along with people really well and wasn't scared of anything and and they sort of would put that tulpa on they would they would i guess through possession they would switch mm-hmm. right and become that um person or that tulpa when they needed to like get a job or so so there's this concept of creating tulpas that can like help you with things that you're not good at but oh. at the end of the day in my opinion and this is just my opinion like that's you baby like that's a piece of you that you're bringing out and you may be manifesting it through this other being that you've created to house that part of you so that you can connect with it more easily but that that's been you all along I, I mean I don't know baby I would say that like it reminds me of like putting on a customer service voice and I'm here to tell you that's not me. <laughs> that's not me at all. That very well may be a fucking tulpa coming out of me. It, it might be. It oh, might you need be. To speak to the manager. Hi, how can I help you? That's not me, baby. That's that's the fucking tulpa. And then you know what's scary is that like being in that situation and then just like saying like, Oh yes, I am the manager and then coming up, but then like struggling to hold up a sign that's like <laughs> help me <laughs> but like still having this craze to like yeah. smile on yeah. and it's just like help that's me. what happens when your tulpa takes it's my tulpa <laughs> i guarantee you that customer will just leave you the fuck alone and 100%. leave yeah and then you'll be okay there you go i'm using that next time i'm putting that down in my notebook it's my tulpa it's your what it's your chalupa um yeah so i mean i think there's a case to be made there that you know if it's Again, going back to that study that was done, you know, most of the folks who were involved in Tulpamancy are more um, introverts. They're, um, you know, maybe people who struggle with, you know, having relationships with other people or people who are feeling lonely or what have you. And if this kind of helps them feel less lonely or helps them access more industrial, like um, industrious, um, inventive parts of themselves, like more confident parts of themselves, then... You know, there it is. There's a there's a video that you can find. Um, who did that? Fusion, I think Fusion YouTube channel did it. Um, it's just Fusion in all caps. I don't know if it's like <laughs> sounds a like a great bar. <laughs> yeah, but they did a they did a video um, of this guy who went and interviewed this um, woman who has a tulpa. Her name is Sam, and her tulpa. I forget the tulpa's name. Um, but she herself is very shy and very like introverted and she talked about how she struggled with depression and her tulpa is very much um, not. Her tulpa is very like talkative and easily connects with people and she said that you know through that she's glad that she created this tulpa and that through creating this tulpa and interacting with him um, she has sort of it's helped her with her depression. I mean, okay, do what you got to do. Yeah. To to help yourself. Um, yeah. It doesn't appear that 
these tulpas are like mean spirited. I thought we were gonna get into some like well bad stuff. Okay. Well. Okay. You know it wouldn't be the haunted heart if we didn't go. There. I was like, all right. We well, <laughs> Katie's like, well, let me just put a fucking knife right in that dream for you. <laughs> fucking slit it open so, and then watch as you were sprayed in its blood. So here's the thing. What I went in with is a little bit different than what I got after doing the research. And this Everybody often happens on this to episode us. right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in this podcast. That this often happens to us when we um, we get these ideas for topics or they're suggested to us through email. You guys suggest what topics that you want us to cover. Um, shoot us an email at the haunted heart podcast at gmail.com. We'll add it to our topics list. And you know, sometimes when this, as Kenny said, this idea has been with me for a long time. And I, what I kind of envisioned going in is that, you know, being outside of the Tulpamancy community, I thought we were going to get into, like, Tulpas in a sense of um, because we are collectively scared of something, we then, all of that fear energy manifests that thing, and that thing becomes a reality. And that was kind of what my concept of a tulpa is. But when I started researching it, obviously, having now listened to the bulk of this episode, it's it's very different sort of thing. It's a very individualized sort of thing, and it's a very sort of non-threatening sort of thing, and control is emphasized at every step in the process. Even though we're using words like possession and switching, just want to say, <laughs> those are words being used. Yeah. Um, but... Um, there is actually a really compelling paper online that I found if you are interested um, in that kind of, in the horror bend of tulpas. Okay. Um, so it's called Facing the Slender Man, and it's by Shira Chess and Eric Newsom, which is part of a larger book called Folklore, Horror Stories, and Slender Man, the Development of an Internet Mythology. Now this paper, like many others, posits that Slender Man is actually a tulpa brought to life by collective thought. So first created in June 10th, 2009, on June 10th, 2009, um, on a thread on the Something Awful internet forum in which users were challenged to create paranormal in- images using Photoshop, Slender Man has become the stuff of legend. Mm-hmm. Yes. He fueled a 2012 video game, a movie, and a documentary on the attempted murder that two 12-year-old girls carried out in his name in Washington State in May 2014. Um, I believe we've referenced that case on the show before, actually, yep. a while back. And on our Netflix and Kill. Mm-hmm. Um, Slender Man has been compared by some to a kind of psychological software virus that once it takes up residence in your brain, cannot be evicted and draws some power from the corner of your mind that it occupies. So I'm not really sure on the whole Slender Man as a tulpa thing, but I do kind of wonder about Slender Man, about other concepts that we've yet to even dig into on the show, like Mothman. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that simply by believing in something as a collective and that by directing thought energy and fear towards that concept, that we could cause that concept to in some way manifest and become more real? Are there parallels between the concept of voodoo not being able to hurt you if you don't believe in it? And the concept of tulpas existing simply because they are believed in. It seems possible to me. And as we know, the power of the mind can be very suggestive. And reality is, for all intents and purposes, a mental construct, which is malleable and changeable by thought. I and would also throw in uh, the horror concept there if you think about the character um, uh, Freddy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like his power is drawn from the fear that you mm-hmm. have of him. And if you don't fear him or if you forget him, he ceases to exist. Right. So uh, definitely. I think that that's a I think that that's an interesting um, perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, like, yeah, I could get into that. Mm-hmm. I will say that by and large, the, the Tulpamancy community in general is not very... Um, 
like they're not much into the horror bend of tulpas, probably because they're creating these fucking things. Um, or at least they feel they are. Um, but being outside that community looking in, it does seem very, um, it's sort of an interesting thing to think about as, you know, does Mothman exist because a bunch of people in West Virginia believe that he exists mm-hmm. and that collective energy just sort of collects in one corner of the universe and, or one quarter of reality and then sort of begins manifesting over time. Yeah. Does, you know, has Slender Man become this whole concept because, you know, because people are focusing thought towards it and fear towards it and, you know, spending yeah. time thinking about it. So I, um, there is a section of Tulpamancy, I think. It's it's kind of died out ever since that whole murder thing happened because that put a big, uh, or attempted murder, attempted murder. Um the victim, thankfully, in the in the Washington State case, survived. But um, ever since that happened, like the Slender Man sort of ex community has kind of chilled out a little bit. They're still around, but there used to be a corner of Tulpamancy that was very much into Slender Man, and it was all about creating these like altars that would like go have. Se- There's a lot of porn on it. There's a lot of <laughs> porn on it. I believe we've talked about that too. There's a lot of apparently Slender Man is very well endowed. Lots of slender, slender man porn. I've had a couple slender men, and you know, they seem to be on par with the with the fluffy men. So, <laughs> I mean, I think it's just whatever you create in your mind. <laughs> Honestly, um, yeah. What it? While you were talking about this, I kind of thought like, what if you were my tulpa? What if? You know, that would certainly make my life a lot easier. I wouldn't have to, like, work anymore and pay bills. You could just do that for us. I did think about, like, what if, like, if you what if you were going to create a tulpa, and maybe this is the beginning of creating a tulpa to even ask you this question, but if you were going to create a tulpa, like, what would it be? I'm not going to fucking answer that, first of all, because I'm not going there, ma'am. <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm trying already to like, I'm, my mind is already starting to build shit in my, and I'm just like trying to push it out like a fucking intrusive thought. Like, no, (laughs) no, Kenny, you are not going to drive off the bridge. You're also not about to create this tulpa in your mind. Little do we know, Kenny creates it in his sleep at night. The next Mm day he is, um, what was the word that you used? I guess possessed. Oh, yeah. Or the controlled hallucinations. Yeah. Imposition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it can if it can do work for me, that's fine. Like if I can just put that controlled imposition on Zoom and then like <laughs> just like give it the fucking thumbs up while I'm in bed. That's what they say. They say you can just like lucid dream, whatever. You can just check out psychologically and your tulpa is gonna drive the vehicle for you. The All vehicle right. of course being your body. You only have Please. one. Okay. Um <laughs> Tulpa better not fuck it up. <laughs> Tulpa better don't. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think I would. I don't. I don't. I don't want to go there. Like I, my mind keeps trying to go there because I'm thinking about You're it, like, and I keep not, like, yeah, and I keep like pushing gonna, it back because my shit would be dark. I'm yeah. just here to say my shit would be not good. Not of the goodness. It would be bad. They do warn against that. They do say you maybe shouldn't. Um, and I can't help that. So that's why I'm going to try my best to put a mental fucking block on this, just like I did on the fucking spiritual <laughs> realm when I was fucking little, and I'm just going to block it the fuck out. Go for it. I'm sure Mental blocks all the I'm way sure around. I'm going to INFJ on. door slam this shit, bitch. Bye. <laughs> what about you? I don't know. I, um, I think... I, it honestly sounds like being a fucking parent, honestly. And I'm just not... I mean, these people talk about, like, in the comments, because, of course, you know, YouTube, the comments is where, where it's at. Comments is where I wouldn't know. True I wouldn't know anything is. about that. Um, but there were people who were talking about, like, they have multiple tulpas, and, like, sometimes the tulpas argue, and, like, sometimes the tulpas nah. get jealous of each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't have the time. Nah. Your tulpas are your cats. Yes. And that's it. Yeah, I'm I'm just going to stick with the realm of familiars. We're going to stick with that. Uh-huh. And, you know, there we go. But maybe 
Maybe I, I'm like, gonna tell you what. What? Maybe like Longbow or Lyrical will come from the from the Tulpa Time podcast will come and explain it to us. Their last YouTube video was like five months ago. I mean, hey, if they're down, I'm shoot telling us you, an email. That's should, all I got to say. You should check it out. It's like um so they do these videos of like like it's this like pretty picture of like a like a um what is it? Like a landscape of like trees or like hills or like a waterfall and then they talk to you about tulpas for like 30 minutes and you're just like okay okay so like bob ross but with tulpas bob ross but with tulpas yes that's exactly how i would explain it yes (laughs) their last video was like five months ago and i was like man where'd you guys go that's what people are gonna say to us soon worried about their last podcast episode was like five months ago it was on tulpas and they (laughs) just just disappeared they just disappeared funny huh yeah and then exactly like 666 days later they came back and they had totally different personalities it's weird yeah But that was fun. That was a good episode. Yeah, it's interesting. That was an interesting topic. It's interesting. It it kind of took a turn because I really wanted to, like, get into the, like, super spooky element of it. Like, I wanted it to be super creepy. But as I kept researching it, it just kind of, like, turned into a community of, like, lonely people who were um, finding coping mechanisms to handle their environment. Of which our listeners can relate, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody got coping mechanisms. If you don't. Baby, go to a therapist get and get you some because you need them. them. It's a tough life out there. Healthy coping coping mechanisms at that. That's yeah. Just let me just point that yeah, out. Yeah, preferably. So. Preferably healthy. All right, girl. Um, well, if they are lonely, tell them where they can find us. Oh, you're going to put it on me? I am. I just spent like an hour <laughs> talking, girl. I'm thirsty as hell. That is fine, honey. I'm going to get me a drink what. of water. I'm going to tell you what. If you want to reach out to us and tell us about your own tulpa, if you are a tulpa, you can send us an email at thehauntedheartpodcast at gmail.com. You say that, but when a tulpa writes you, you're going to get fucked probably, up. Probably. Probably. <laughs> um, you can also follow us on uh, Instagram at thehauntedheartpodcast, on Twitter at thehauntedheart. Uh, we also have a Patreon that you can check out. Just search uh, The Haunted Heart on Patreon. We've got all sorts of fun bonus content there for you. We've got Katie coughing in the mic. We've got... Technically, I was coughing <laughs> far away from the mic, but you could find it a little faster at patreon.com slash The Haunted Heart. Yeah, you could find some spooky smut on there, some bonus episodes, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, you can get an invocation on this show if you would like. You can. You can check it all out there. Um. What the fuck else do you talk about? when You, you can send that? us an email. I already if said If you have that. a particular... Did I? Did you? I did. I oh. said that. that was the first one I said. Well, please email us. We're lonely. <laughs> oh, I did have one... Um, speaking of emails, I did have one thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, well, she's finding that. Also no, my review phone's going to die. I'll do it next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave them hanging. But no, for real. You can... If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. Um, you can do it on our Facebook page, which you can where you can also check us out at The Haunted Heart, um, or on... Um, What's that app that we use? Podcast, <laughs> Apple Podcast. Leave us five stars. Stitcher, review us. all that shit. If it's funny, we'll talk about it. Um, or yeah, Read and it. then um, we also have a pretty cool Facebook group too. As you know, you may or may not know if you're a part of it already. You can go um, search our Facebook group, and a member of our Murder Mod Squad will approve you. Hopefully, unless you are a Tulpa, then we might consider it. We may or may not consider it. Whatever. I consider it. I'll let you in. Shit. If I get your request, I'm letting you in, Tulpa. All right. Well, there's that. (laughs) And then... This went downhill quick. Listen, you can't just put this on me. You you cannot (laughs) just put me in the spotlight. You did well. You can't just put me in the spotlight. You have to Me and the three people who decided to listen to the end of the episode are applauding for you. And while we're applauding, (laughs) we're going to focus our mental energy. Yes, we are. We're going to stay spooky.